Well, good morning, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together again today. And uh, thanks to Jeff for bringing the message last Sunday while we were away and um, haven't had a chance to watch it because we just got back recently at the end of this week here. So looking forward to watching last week's service uh, eventually. One thing I wanted to mention, I don't know if you noticed this morning when you came in, but that garden chair table down there is full of stuff. So let's not leave here today without emptying all that. Those of you who don't have gardens, if you want tomatoes, I don't know what all is down there, but I just walked by it and I noticed there's all kinds of stuff down there. So stop by there today and, uh, and make use of some of that this week. <clears throat> let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Colossians. We are in Colossians again this morning, working our way through this. Chapter 3 is where we are today. And uh, our series, title of this series in Colossians has been Confidence in Christ. And uh, while you're finding that, I'm going to share a little bit about the fountain that is out front. We finally have the plaque there. You might have seen that on social media this week. Uh, it's out there and I, it's kind of hard to read what that says. So I'm just going to read it for you. But you're welcome to stop out there and see it today and we, since we have a fellowship meal. This is what that sign says. God is faithful. In Joshua 4, as the Israelites finally entered the promised land, the Lord told Joshua to take 12 stones, one for each tribe, and build a memorial to remember God's faithfulness in fulfilling his promises. In Joshua 4, 6, the Lord says, In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them. He goes on to say that these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. This memorial fountain is meant to be a reminder of God's faithfulness. Our hope and prayer is that it causes us to remember the goodness of God and the faithfulness of Jesus to this church family through the past and into the future. May it remind us of Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 that says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This fountain also reminds us of the words of Jesus in John 7, 37 to 38. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. The AMC Church family is so grateful for the many blessings the Lord has shown to us through the years. May this memorial fountain be a reminder for us that God is faithful, just as those stones in Joshua 4 were a reminder. Thank you to Larry Yoder, who built this fountain. He brought the top two stones back from a trip to the top of Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments from the Lord in Exodus 19 and 20. And then the Deuteronomy pass verse at the end, Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock, his works are perfect. And all his ways are just, a faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. So if you get a chance today before you leave, uh, go out there and, and take a look at that. Okay, Paul here is talking about the difference between a life lived in and for Christ versus a life that's lived away or apart from Christ. And as we will see, the difference is of course, life-changing. 
The title here in my Bible uh, before this passage says, What Should Christians Do? Living as Those Made Alive in Christ. And this is what God's Word says. I'm I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, And evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of the world of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, ridge, uh, rage, malicious behavior, slander. And dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature. And all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator. And become like him. In this new life. It doesn't matter. If you are a Jew or a Gentile. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbaric. Uncivilized. Slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. You know, some things in this world are obviously different from each other. Obviously, water is different from land. The light is different from darkness. When you are bored, it's a lot different than when you are entertained. There is good... And of course, there is evil. There are people who are loud. And then there are some times where we experience silence or silence. People who are silent. I think you get the idea of, of the difference of that. But of all those things that are different, none of them are as different as life and death. Life is the one thing that everyone wants to have. And death is the one thing that everyone wants to avoid. At least it would seem that way. I mean, if you, look, if you listen to statistics, they always say that death is at the top of the list when they ask people what they fear the most. Well, in this scripture text today, Paul is speaking more about our spiritual life and spiritual death than he is about the physical part of those two. But really, in essence, he's trying to connect those two for us so that we see how much our spiritual life plays a big part in our physical death. And, and, and then, of course, what our eternal life is going to look like. Most of us are not going to live until we are 969 years old. Like the patriarch Methuselah did 
in the Old Testament. Now, I ran across something funny from the Babylon Bee this week uh, about Methuselah, so I thought I would share it here this morning. <laughs> Just let it up there for a little bit. Anyway, that's it. I don't know how many of you follow the Babylon Bee, but there's a lot of a lot of funny stuff that comes across my Twitter feed sometimes or, or other things. But but Paul is saying that it matters how we live our lives in the here and now. You know, if we claim to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, are we living our lives as if we have been raised with him? And then, of course, do our, our priorities in life proclaim that he is our Life, that he is where we get our life from. That he is the source that keeps us hidden with Christ in God, as it says here in verse 3. It, you know, it's that, that constant pull between the earthly nature and our, our Christ-centered nature as Christians. And, and you know, that's what's being addressed, really, in these verses, it is the temptation of sin that pulls us away from God's perfect will for our lives. Now, if we look back, of course, to the early chapters of Genesis, we see how and when that struggle began. Of course, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, and, and God had told them not to eat of that tree, the tree of not, the knowledge of good and evil. God said, if you eat of that, you will surely die. Those were God's words. And all was good until Satan comes along in the form of a servant and convinced Eve and then Adam that that God was lying to them. Satan said, you're surely not going to die. He said, God knows that when you eat of that tree, your eyes are going to be opened. And you will be like God because you will know good and evil. The problem there was that Satan was the one that was lying. Eve and Adam both ate of the fruit of the tree. And then, of course, sin entered into the world. Death now had entered into the picture. And, you know, for years, the only way that God's God's people could be saved from their sin was to bring those animal sacrifices to the temple. But that's where this that's where this wonderful part about our new life comes in. We don't have to do that anymore. I mean, Jesus came. God sent his son Jesus, and he showed us what God's way of living was all about. And then not only that, he he died for our sins so that we could have that one-time sacrifice for our sins. And then, of course, he was raised from the dead to fully complete God's plan of bringing us from death back to life. When we, uh, you know, when we share communion here at church, we are remembering and celebrating that sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It is a once and for all sacrifice for sin that he paid for us on the cross of Calvary. 
We are a part of that in that our identity as believers is, is really wrapped up in that. And Paul says that here in these verses. He says, our identity with Jesus' death is what cuts us off from that old life. And our identity with Jesus' resurrection becomes our new life in Christ. So that's what, that's what leads us to this truth about going from, from death to life and finding that life in and through Jesus Christ. These verses here in Colossians 3 are about us setting our hearts and our minds on this life in Christ and taking them off of the earthly nature, human nature, fleshly nature, which leads to death. You see, the only remedy for those sins is the believer's new life in Jesus Christ. And it's through that union in Christ and in his death that we can die to the world's way of believing, the world's way of thinking, and even the world's way of acting. But, and here, this is an important but, we have to, we have to choose to make it central in our life. God has given us that free will. And not only do we have to make it central, but we really have to make it the most important thing in our life. We have to choose to make it the most important thing. And when we neglect it, when we neglect our faith and our relationship with, with Christ, we really, what we do is we neglect the redeeming life that he has given to us. Some years back during one of the Super Bowls, um, FedEx ran a commercial that was a spoof of the movie Castaway. Um, and some, many of you have probably seen that movie. But in that movie, Tom Hanks plays a, a FedEx worker whose company plane went down, stranding him on a desert island. And so uh, this FedEx worker in the commercial looks like the bedraggled Hanks, uh, Tom Hanks in the movie. And... and uh, he comes up and walks up to this suburban home uh, with his package in his hand, FedEx package. And the lady comes to the door and he explains that he has survived for five years on this deserted island. And during that whole time, he kept this package in order to deliver it to her. You see the message there. FedEx wants you to know that your package is in safe hands and they will get your package to you. Well, the lady at the door just gives him this simple thank you. But of course, he's curious about what is in the package that he has been protecting for all of these years. And so he says, well, you know, if I can ask, uh, can I have you open it and see what's in the package? And she goes, oh, she opens it and she says, oh, there's nothing at all in here, just a, a satellite telephone, a GPS device, a compass, a water purifier, and some seeds. <laughs> that's an example of what Paul is saying here like the contents of that package the resources for growth and strength and life they are available to every Christian who will take advantage of them but a part of that choosing uh, choosing those is that we have to avoid 
these various sins that bring death instead of life. And those are listed very clearly here in verses 5 through 10. I put them on the screen for you to see, but let's just list some of them. Sexual immorality, that covers a broad spectrum these days. I think we all know that. But I think we know what those are. The Bible speaks about sexual immorality often. Some others here are impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry, it says. You know, you you may not be tempted, you may or may not be tempted by, by sexual immorality, but is greed an issue? It says here that greed is like an idol that we worship. It can easily sneak into our life once we start to focus on what we don't have and what we have to do to get it. You know, greed, if you think about it, it often happens when we are not content. When we are not content with our current situation. And so we, you know, we focus on something else and a lot of times people will go to whatever the cost is to get that thinking that it's going to fulfill their contentment, make them happy. And, and this doesn't mean you have to be rich to be greedy. I mean, many people who have money and possessions are also very, very generous. But it means that this sin of greed is a sin of the heart. And not necessarily about the size of someone's bank account. Well... It takes life away from us. Just like sexual immorality takes life away from us. And Paul says here, put those things to death. Get rid of them. Get them out of your life. Your new life in Christ does not include them. And there's a reason that they are not included. Because they are not life-giving. That's why. He goes on in verse 8. He gives us some more things that that suck the life out of us. (laughs) Anger. Rage. Malice. Slander. And filthy language. I mean, if we were to summarize, summarize those, we might say, Gossip, lying, and cursing. I don't think I need to stand up here and tell anyone here today that those are wrong. Do I? I mean, we we know that. But maybe we need to be reminded this morning that those things, those attitudes, those sins are robbing us of the life we have in Jesus Christ. You know, cursing, cursing has become so normalized on TV and, and social media these days that many have just become oblivious to it and actually participate in it. We should not. Anger and rage, they seem to be the way that people react to disagreements and, and conflicts these days. But we should not 
I mean, it's okay to be upset about some things and, and sometimes feel a righteous anger about things that we see. But, you know, as Christ followers, we are to be people of peace and reconciliation. So we need to think about that. I mean, have we forgotten God's desire for us? Have we followed the ways of the world too much? Have we maybe become obsessed with our own life and our own agendas that we no longer acknowledge where our true life really comes from? President Abraham Lincoln spoke of this in a speech he made in, 19, in 1863. Uh, in that speech, he said this. He said, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We had been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. He went on and he said, We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Now, of course, Lincoln there was talking about our nation. But what if we apply that to our life as believers? Have we become too self-sufficient and forgot about God? I'd like to, of course, say that the answer to that is no. But I, I think each of us has to answer that for ourselves. I ran across a a passage in Hosea this week that really spoke to this. Hosea 13.6. God says this in Hosea 13.6. When I fed them, they were satisfied. But when they were satisfied, they became proud. And then in their pride, they forgot me. I think, you know, unfortunately, I think we see that happening in our nation again, and maybe sometimes in our own lives. Maybe that needs to be brought to our attention. Because, you know, the whole purpose of this letter that Paul wrote to the church is to show believers that we have everything we need in Christ. So, you know, does our life and the decisions that we are making, do they reflect that? We think of Job often in the Bible when we think about these things. And, you know, Job lost everything he had in life. But when nothing else was left, Job realized that he still had God. And, you know, if we lose everything, can we, can we still say, 
I have everything I need in Christ. Of course, the great news here is no matter where you find yourself today, your new life is hidden or concealed or safe in Jesus. Verse 3 and verse 10 proclaims that. What you have to do, though, is, like I said earlier, you have to claim it. Or maybe you've claimed it before. Maybe you need to renew it today. Or maybe you need to recommit yourself to Jesus Christ and this new life that he, he offers to you. Because he has faithfully committed himself to you, to each one of us. In John 15, that we heard earlier, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love, he said, and if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. You know, why, why did Jesus tell us those things? In verse 11, he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Our true joy is found in our life in Christ. And so if if joy seems to have left you, perhaps you have been trying to find it in the wrong things or the wrong places. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And if Christ looks at our heart today, what does he find? These earthly things that lead to death or the heavenly things that lead to life. Paul is encouraging us here, put on the new self, the new life, which is constantly being renewed in the image of your creator. Earlier, we heard from Ephesians 4, where Paul says again there, get rid of all the bitterness and rage and anger in your life and the brawling and the slander, along with every form of malice, he says. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Oh, yeah, just as Christ forgave us. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about compassion in the verses that lie ahead of us. But you see, our life in Christ allows us to go there, to be kind, to be compassionate, and to forgive others as we have been forgiven by God. I mean, in... In our own flesh, we sometimes struggle to have those attitudes. But in Christ, we can live in them. In Christ, we can deliberately and daily commit ourselves to the values of the heavenly kingdom and that which is above. I heard the story um, of a man who used to travel from New York to to London to do some business. Uh, This was some years ago. And... He would say each time he'd go to London, he would, keep his, he would keep his watch on the same time as New York. Uh, that way he could always, you know, it was about a five or six hour difference there. He could always be in touch with what his wife and kids were doing back in New York. And these days that's hard to do because your cell phone changes automatically. Your smart watch changes automatically. But... The implication or the illustration of that 
is a great way, I think, for us to think about the encouragement in scripture here, in scripture here to keep our minds on things above, in heaven, instead of being so focused on our life in this world. Because we know that can be here today and it can be gone tomorrow. When Christ returns or it's our time to leave this earth for eternity, we want to be able to say that we lived with the will of God as our motto and the ways of Jesus as our example. We aren't walking in the ways of the past or the ways of the world. But as it says in verse 10 here, we have put on the new self, the new life that we have in Jesus. Finally, in closing, you know, the truth is one day we are all going to face physical death on this earth. None of us really know when that day is going to be. We're pretty confident that we're not going to live to be as old as Methuselah. But how long do we have yet on this earth? None of us, none of us know the answer to that. So how can we be sure that we are prepared for it? Well, the answer to that is by living in Christ and living for Christ right now. Putting to death the temporary trappings of this world and putting on the new life, the eternal life that we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then when our, our life on this earth comes to an end, there will be nothing to fear. Because we will be raised with Christ who is already sitting at the right hand of God. And I can't imagine anyone here not wanting to be there when that day comes. Amen? Amen. Let's all be there together. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, we, we come before you this morning and we know that you have provided this new life for us. Sometimes, Lord, it's hard to understand why we don't take hold of it and live it. Why we allow the trappings of this temporary world to sway us in certain directions and the temptations of Satan to lead us down roads and paths that we know we should not go. Lord, help us to remember that you have given us the joy and the contentment that we need in this life. It is found in you. And in you, we have everything that we really need. So Lord, I pray that for all of us today, this could be a reminder as we go out from here. Whatever we have been making most important, if it's not Jesus and our faith, help us to make that change. Make that adjustment. Help us to be committed to you, Lord, and, and to lean on you and trust in you and know that you have been faithful to us and we, we need to continue to focus on our eternal life in heaven more than we are on our temporary life here on this earth. Lord, we pray your blessing over the meal that we will share, the wonderful food that's been brought here today. Pray your blessing over our time of fellowship. Pray your blessing over the garden, things, items that have been shared. Thank you for those who have brought items to share out of their own gardens. 
And may they be a blessing to those who will take them home and enjoy them in this week ahead. May they be a reminder of your provision for us, Lord, and, and uh, that you have put us here to support each other and be there for each other. And Lord, we, we pray that your blessing would be upon Christopher and Jennifer, Colby, and their marriage as we bless them today uh, with this grocery shower as well. So Lord, be with us as we go forward in this week and in the weeks ahead. And may your grace and peace uh, be upon us. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.